Hi, Merry Christmas, and welcome back to Cycling Talk Podcast, with me, Georgia Mahoney. On today's episode, I am joined by Canadian rider Magalie Rochette. This one's a long one, but it's a great one, so make sure to share it with your friends and family. Thank you for joining me today, Magalie. Thank you for having me, Georgia. I'm really honoured to be on your podcast. So I'm sure before we start, everybody is wondering what happened to your ankle at the weekend. So how are you after your incident? Yeah, thank you for asking. I'm actually doing good. So, you know, it's kind of a silly thing that happened. Um, I'm the only one to blame for it. They, they, I started like I always do and I tried to clip in, but this time I kind of messed, I missed my pedal and I didn't clip in instantly. So I like what what happens in those situations is like you keep pedaling because you want to keep moving up um so I kept pedaling but I don't know exactly what happened but as I was pedaling my foot slipped as it was not clipped in and then it got stuck in my wheel and my ankle kind of did like sideways got stuck in my wheel and I I don't I I just kind of I stopped instantly because it really hurt and then when I realized what had I, I I still like wasn't too sure what was happening like all I could see was the race was like gone everyone was leaving and I was like oh I, I have to hurry up and so I tried to go but I, I wasn't able to get back on the bike in the moment on the moment so I kind of stepped on the side and yeah so that was the end of my race a very short one but after that we went straight to the hospital because we wanted to know I wanted to know as soon as possible what what it was like if it was broken or not because I felt like having the right diagnosis was the only way to kind of take the first like kind of heal as quick as possible like if you don't know what it is you can't take the right steps so uh, we went straight to the hospital we had incredible help from cyclocross community and it wasn't broken so since then i've been doing a lot of ice i've been doing compression legs up um, and it's already much better today i was actually able to ride on the trainer so all good oh that's really good Hope you have a speedy recovery so that you can maybe race this weekend at Namur. Well, thank you. I hope so too. I love the I love the race in Namur, so hopefully hopefully I can make it. So we'll go to the normal questions now. So what was your first memory of being on a bike? That's a good question and I think so my dad was a cyclist uh, not a professional cyclist but he, he was he just loved sports in general and mountain biking was one of the sports that he was doing and when I was young I liked kind of all I like you know I like to do skateboard I like to play soccer I was playing football in the streets with all the boys or the girls that were there and so when I was seeing my dad coming back from mountain biking he was all muddy and he always looked like he had had a good time so at some point I just asked if I could go with him and he brought me and I really enjoyed it I, I think what I enjoyed is that it was once like something that I could do with my dad that was really fun um, mountain bike also involves some exploring I could go places where I had never been before and I felt like those were special places like no one was going there in my mind um so all of these things like it made it special for me and I felt that uh, yeah it, it just makes me made me feel good so I I really enjoyed it from from an early age what was the first bike that you remember being really excited about 
Yeah, I actually remember my first mountain bike, and I, I think, I think we got it for Easter. Like they, my parents prepared a kind of an Easter egg hunt for my sister and I, and we had clues like that would bring us to the next Easter egg, and and the last clue was bringing us to the garage. And what's really funny is that like my sister and I were so focused on trying to find the eggs that we got in the garage, and two bikes were there, but we never saw them. We were like so focused on finding the eggs and then we got back inside and we're like we don't find them like we're sure this clue brings us to the garage but we can't find the eggs and my parents were laughing they're like are you guys serious and so we opened like they brought us in the garage again and then the bikes were there so I think my first mountain bike was a hardtail um, no suspension even in the front at that time it was like 24 inch wheels and it was a trick um, so I, I can't remember the model but I remember it was gray and blue and yeah, I guess the color was kind of a cool thing to, I, I was excited about that. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like a good Easter present. Yeah, oh my god, it was like crazy. <laughs> Did you ride for a local club? Uh, You know, back then, mountain biking was so, it wasn't really popular yet, so we didn't have huge, uh, we didn't really have local clubs and stuff, however, my one of my good friends um so my dad was mountain biking with his friend and um his daughter his daughters were my friends and so we kind of started we were doing that together and so his her dad decided to start a club um and with my dad actually so our dads just kind of wanted us to have a place like people to ride with so they started a small club but they, i mean it was just so such a niche sport back then that it wasn't we didn't really have big clubs and and I'm not that old but that was like still a long time ago (laughs) maybe I'm 27 and I was like maybe eight when I started so yeah that was still quite a long time ago was it nice to have the other girls to ride and sort of race against oh totally and and you know I was actually doing a lot of triathlon at the same time so when I was eight yeah, about seven or eight, I started mountain biking. And about the same time, I started doing triathlons. And so there was this girl that I already talked to you about that was doing mountain biking with me. But I also had another friend who started doing triathlon. And um, it was really fun to have friends because it for me, like that was my summer activities. Like that's what I was going to do. I had like triathlon practice and mountain bike practice and soccer uh, you guys call it football but football practice and like that's just how I those were that was my social basically like that's how I I met friends and stuff so it really was huge and then it became even more important as I grew older I think um so those girls uh especially the one in triathlon we went to high school like we went to um elementary school together then high school together and we were training quite a lot back then for triathlon I was in the junior national series and and having friends at those ages like when you're 16 17 having friends that also train 25 hours a week with you is really helpful because I felt like when everyone else was going to parties sometimes we would go out to school parties but we'd have to leave early because we were swimming at four in the like we had to wake up at four in the morning to go swimming but having a friend that I wasn't the only one who was living early made it that much easier. 
Um, so yeah, it was really cool. And it just makes it more fun, you know, like it's not just about the training. It's about, we're just having fun with friends. Um, so that was really cool. And what's interesting is that this girl in triathlon, she actually went to the Olympics. So she's still a professional rider. So, uh, uh, I mean, professional triathlete. So it's cool because we both kind of grew up together and we both, uh, became professional in our discipline. So pretty fun. Yeah. So you enjoyed doing lots of different sports as a kid then? Oh, yeah. Um, and I, I also did um, a few others. I was doing uh, downhill ski racing as well. And yeah, a bunch of things. I just I, I guess I like being active and I like doing all kinds of sports. So yeah, it, it took a while before I decided like which sport I really wanted to do specifically. What was your first race like? Ooh. You know, it's funny because I don't remember, like, the first race. Uh, I remember going, we had a local series, uh, like, Tuesday night local mountain bike series. And I remember going there with my friends and my dad. And for me, it was, like, you know, just, like, a fun activity to do. And I know I was super competitive, though. Like, from the get-go, I I was super competitive and I wanted to do well. Um, But I don't remember specifically that first race. Um, Yeah, they just kind of, in my mind, they're all together, you know? Like, all these these local races that I did as a kid. Um, But, yeah, I, I... I for sure liked it because I I kept doing it. So uh, there's a few things that I, I mean, I know I'm a competitive person, so I think that I enjoyed, but I think I really enjoyed the fact that I could get better every week. Um, That was kind of fun for me because I would finish a race and then think about like, oh, well, I feel like I can be better in that section or that section. So sometimes in the week I would ask my dad if we could go to the local course so I could practice something. Um, so I think really the fact that I felt like I could improve is what I enjoyed the most. What sort of disciplines did you do? Was it only mountain bike racing? At that point, it was all only mountain bike and triathlon. And I did that for a long time until like the, I combined both until I was maybe 13 or something, 12, 12, 12 years old. And then... At that point, I kind of had to make a choice because the races were at the same time. So I couldn't do both. Um, so I decided to do triathlon for various reasons. I think most, like I enjoyed both. And I think I had more friends in triathlon. My sister was doing triathlon. And I think maybe I was better at mountain biking. And I was starting at that age. Like I know it's super early, but to put pressure on myself so it became just more stressful for me so I went into triathlon um and I did that until I was 18 then I had some injuries I'll spare you all the details but I ended up deciding to stop triathlon and that's how I got back into cycling um my injuries were preventing me from running as much as I wanted to and so for a year, I kind of didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't know if I wanted to do sports anymore. But turns out I did. Um, and I couldn't get off my bike when I decided to take a break. So I got more into road riding. I got back into mountain biking. Um, and that's when I discovered cross. So uh, yeah, so I did 
a few different disciplines. We like the details on this podcast, Magdalene. Oh. Okay, good. Okay, good. <laughs> That's good to know. And okay, now can I ask you a question, a quick question? Yeah. How did you decide to start this podcast? Um, well, so in the summer this year, I was, because we were in lockdown in the UK, I was sort of looking for a podcast to listen to. But mm -hmm. there weren't really any that sort of suited my age and suited the things that I liked. So I decided that I would make my own for people who were looking for the same thing as I was. And then that's awesome. I and contacted some people and then, yeah. And then how, yeah. how has it been so far? Do you, you enjoy it? Yeah, I love it. It's really cool to meet so many of my big heroes. And it's just, it's so great that all of these people want to come on my podcast and they want to talk to me and it's, it's amazing yeah that i mean i think it's just such a cool project and it's cool that you took it on your own to do it from scratch you know it's not easy to do so props to you like that's that's cool who can i ask what was your um what what was your most uh maybe your most stressful but also the most exciting guest that you got Ooh, that's that's quite tricky i think i've had so many cool people on the show um I was really excited to have Alex Dowsett on the show because he's such a big rider and I've yeah. watched him doing TTs and I was I wasn't sure because my when we were writing the questions there were so many like races that he'd done and I was like oh am I gonna remember all this stuff there's so much <laughs> that he, there's so much that he'd done and I was like Um, but yeah, it was amazing, amazing interview. And it's, it's great when the people that you're, you're hoping do a really good interview and then they do do a really good interview and it's great to have that yeah. joy after an interview and be really buzzing. Oh, that's awesome. Well, good for you. I, I love what you're doing. I, I'm, I'm going to be a new subscriber of your, of your podcast. Thank you. <laughs> So obviously you grew up in Canada and it's a massive place compared to the UK. And then I mean that the bigger races in the UK are at least two or three hours away from where I live. What sort of traveling were you doing? So when, when I was young, I raced mostly in the province of Quebec, which is where I'm from. Um, and that's like the French speaking part of Canada. So my first language is actually French. But Quebec is also a really big province. Um, so I I guess I was lucky that my parents were were willing and supportive to drive us around, my sister and I. So we were, yeah, we I guess we were, we were driving a lot. Uh, races were often pretty far, but I quite enjoyed it, you know? That was, because sometimes, like, since, if sometimes a race is far, it means that you're going to sleep there overnight and then you're, you get to hang out with your friends more. And, and so suddenly the race becomes an event. It becomes like, it becomes something a little bit more. So I, I kind of enjoyed that. Um, and then as I grew older, yeah, the races were in Canada or in the US. So I had to travel. And again, I was just really lucky that my parents were able to support us for, to do, to be able to do that. So, um, Yeah, I guess I didn't mind. I, I, as a kid, I, as a younger person, when I'm 
like my parents were taking care of it. I didn't mind traveling. Uh, nowadays, <laughs> sometimes I wish the races were closer, but at the same time, I try to see the positive and it's quite special. And I think it's a privilege that we get to travel. And it's, it's, it is difficult sometimes, but at the same time, like we get to experience different cultures and different, different things. So I try to see it as a privilege rather than something that's annoying. When was the first time that you actually raced outside of your province? Uh, I remember doing a triathlon. I think it was my, yeah, it was called a Canada Cup of Triathlon back then. And we went to Manitoba or Saskatchewan, but one of the other provinces. And it felt like a really big deal for me because that was the first like national level race and like all the best in the country were going to be there in the junior category. So I remember that experience really well because it was something special. And from that on, we started, I kind of reached a level where I was a good national level in triathlon, like amongst the maybe, I don't know, five or 10 best juniors in the, in the country. So I was invited to some races and that year I think we went to Mexico for uh, Pan American Championships and that was really cool so that again like those were experiences that made me realize that I love this sport for what it is and I love the competitive aspect but maybe there's even more to it like if it's cool if I get to visit those places so those were really fun experiences for me. So you said that you went to Mexico for the Pan American Championships. I don't mm-hmm. actually know what that is. Oh, good question. So it's it's basically our equivalent of the European Championships. So our continent, uh, it's it's like our continental championships. So it's the all the Americas, if you want. So it's North America, South America, and Central America. We do like the, it's it's kind of our continental championship. So similar as the continental championship of europe but it's called pan american oh wow that's really cool that must have been like a really big event for you then yeah it was pretty big it was it was yeah it was big for us um and i mean i i don't even remember how i did i think they ended up yeah, I think they ended up canceling the swimming because there was too many waves and we ended up doing a duathlon or something. But um, yeah, it was it was a big deal. And it's the first time that you realize that, well, the level is really high if you kind of leave your town, you know. So it's, um, it's a good experience to have as a young person, I think, uh, a young athlete wanting to develop in this in this sport. So it, it was it was good. Mm. When was your first national mountain bike race? That was not that long ago, actually, because since I stopped, um, since I stopped mountain biking to get into triathlon, I, I didn't actually touch my mountain bike for like eight years. And then when I was like eight, 19 years old, um, when I was 19 years old, that's the year like 18 or 19, I, I stopped triathlon. I got back into like I did road races and I did like an adventure race and I did like a hundred K mountain bike race, which I, which was kind of terrible. Um, but then a friend invited me to a cyclocross race and, and you'll see, I'll get back to the first mountain bike race, but, um, a friend invited me to a cyclocross race and I didn't really know what that was, but it sounded cool. So 
at that time I was working at a running shoe store and so I had a bit of money and I decided you know what like I'm yes I'll come so I went to buy a cheap bike and showed up at the cyclocross race with uh, my boyfriend back then David and still my boyfriend and we did the cyclocross race and I just loved it I thought that was the coolest thing ever so from that point I started doing a bit more cyclocross and that's when I realized you know what I should get back into mountain biking and that will probably help me get better in cyclocross so I got back into mountain biking and that was 2013 so end of 2012 and beginning of 2013 um, I started training really hard on my mountain bike and cyclocross bike and that's my first national mountain bike uh, championship I did the under 23 um, national championships and I got third that year which qualified me for mountain bike world championships so it, it kind of got yeah it went quick at that point but at the same time although I was kind of coming back in the sport so fairly new I still had years of experienced training and I, I still kind of had ridden a bike all my life so it wasn't all that new when was the first time that you raced out of Canada or North America? Uh, so on my mountain bike, it was I. So I when I qualified for that World Championships, the World Championships that year were in Peter Maritzburg in South Africa, and when I qualified for that, I realized like, oh, like I I love mountain biking and I might have a shot at like being okay, like decent rider. So. I went to we kind of saved our money my parents helped like I had a little bit of money on the side we we put it all there and I went to South Africa and I, I saw that race at that point I, I was seeing that race as my opportunity to show myself if that makes sense like I was so new in that world but I knew that if you want to evolve you kind of at that time like you, you had to have a professional team and you want to like yeah I it's a, it's an expensive sport cycling is an expensive sport so if you want to keep progressing at some point you have to have sponsors or a team because it just gets too much and I knew that this could be my chance to um, get a team so I had already written to a lot of teams um, kind of telling them my story um, and it was like, you know, a very long shot, but I had read, it's funny though, I had read, uh, Mark Cavendish's book and, and at some point in his book, he talks about the fact that he wrote a letter to mobile, uh, what was it? Mobile, T-Mobile team and he got chosen, whatever. So I thought that was really cool. And I did write a letter to the Luna Pro team back then, um, telling them who I was. And what's funny is that. I sent it to the wrong person. So since I sent it to, to the wrong person, that person wrote back to me and she was like, oh, you know, I'm not the one who gets that, but I'll send it to the general manager of the team. So my letter got straight to the right person. So I got lucky for that. And then I went to the world championships. I had prepared the best I ever had. I got there and I finished ninth in the under 23 race. And for me, that was huge. But what was I think what caught the eye of other people is that I was new in this sport. So people thought like, oh, she she has some potential. Um, 
And I, during that World Championships, I also met Catherine Pendrel, who was a um, former world champion. She's Canadian, but she was also a former world champion. And I hung out with her and we had like a, a good connection. And she was writing for the Luna Pro Team, the team I had written a letter to. And it turns out that they were looking for a new younger writer. So they, the management of the team actually told the girls on the team if you see people in your national teams that could potentially be good on our team, like, let me know, we, we need to hire younger athletes. And so like it all came together and Catherine introduced me to the team manager of the Luna pro team. He had kind of heard of me because I, that weird letter he received from like that Canadian girl that knew no one knew about. And all of that came together and I ended up signing a contract with them after that race in South Africa. So it was like the craziest thing. That, that's so crazy. There's such a coincidence that they were looking yep. for young riders. Yep. Yeah, totally. Um, so, yeah, sometimes like you're in the right place at the right time. And, you know, it's funny, like I, I always wonder, is it luck or is it, you know, you put some pieces here and there not knowing what's going to happen with those. And then eventually you're in the right place at the right time and they all those little dots that you kind of installed along the way they kind of connect and it works out so yeah it was really special and yeah so then I I rode with that team for five years actually after that so how does racing in Europe compare to racing in Canada oh it's much different uh (laughs) so If I like, I'll kind of talk mostly about cyclocross, I guess, because that's what I mainly do now. But, um, so cyclocross in in Canada is almost nothing. Um, I, I, it's kind of sad to say that, but it's very, very small. So even when I'm home, I don't actually race in Canada that much. I mostly race in the U in the United States. Um, they have a better circuit, like a we don't really have a circuit. We have a few races in Canada, but they're mostly local races or provincial races, but international level races, we don't really have them that much. So I mostly go to the US. However, the difference between Europe is just, it's so big here. So, so many differences. Um, it's, I guess one of the differences is that the, the field are much deeper. So there are many more girls in and that makes the racing just a, a lot harder, but also like a lot more competitive, a lot more intense because suddenly it's not it's not like three people who can win the race. It's like 20 people. And then it, and it's not just like and it's so many people can finish in the top 10. And so it's really, really competitive. So that's one of the biggest differences. Um, there are also a lot of differences in terms of culture of the sport um, in in North America or Canada or US, a lot of the fans of the sport, fans of cyclocross also race cyclocross. So you'll have, and I think it might, like, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it might be similar in the UK. Like when you, when there's a race, there's races for the professionals, but there are also races for kids and races for amateurs, right? Yeah. Yeah. So there's okay. um, lots of different categories for different age groups and everything like that. Mm-hmm. So it's the same in North America. So when you go to a race weekend, it's like that big thing and you, you stay there for like three days and there's races all day um, and racing like 
everyone wrestles all day and then they all stay to watch the professional races at the end of the day so whereas in europe or like in the in belgium where where we race the most uh it's mostly like the fans of the sport there there's so many fans of this sport but none of them really ride they just kind of enjoy watching the races so it, it really influences like the the vibe and the atmosphere at the race and it influences even the sponsors who are sponsoring the event um at home it's a lot of cycling company or companies that are into sports or health or stuff like that whereas in europe it's a lot of um companies that people actually use those things so uh, by that i mean like you'll have grocery stores or banks or just bigger institutions so there's probably more money into the sport in europe than we have um in north america so a lot of differences <laughs> But at the end of the day, it's the same sport, so it's it's all good. I didn't realize that cyclocross was so much smaller in Canada. Yes, it's it's really small, and I'm hoping. I mean, it's getting more attention now. I I think uh, people are more interested with it. Last year we had the Pan American Championships. Now you know what that is. Uh, the cyclocross Pan American Championships were in Canada, so. It's it's growing. It's definitely growing, but it's still not quite where it is in the US or definitely not where it is in in Europe. So in the UK, we have the British Cycling Development Program. Do you have that sort of thing in Canada and were you ever on it? Um I was never on it. They there is They're, they're starting to have a program like that. I think it's called uh, Next Gen Program, so Next Generation. But I that started when I was too old to be on the Next Gen Program. So I was I never benefited from that. And so, so yeah, we don't really have anything. I, I actually read books about the British program, and I think it's pretty great. I think it created a lot, a lot of success for for the UK and British writers in general. Um, and I do think that in Canada we kind of try to copy that, maybe, but too late, you know. Like we have to make it our own because it's not going to work exactly the same way. Um, so. Yeah, I there I never really benefited from anything like that and I think they are trying to create something but it's not quite there yet and and I don't think they have the resources to do it yet. So in 2013 you rode some of the mountain bike world cups. Did you ride the full season? Uh, in 2013, yeah, so that's the first year I started. No, that year I didn't do the full world cup circuit. Uh in 2014 and 15 I did. However, um Then a little bit in 2016, yeah, I, I kind of been in and out of the mountain bike circuit, I guess, for the past few years. But for a while, it was my focus. So in 2014-15, that's what, that's what I was mostly doing. What was your favorite mountain bike course? Ooh. I really enjoyed the, the race in Nove Mesto Namorave mm -hmm. in the Czech Republic. That was really, that was a really fun course, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when did you decide to fully focus on cyclocross? Um, that happened in 2018. And what happened is that I, I always really loved cyclocross. And the, 
the Luna protein, which eventually became the cliff protein that I was riding for, their focus was mostly mountain biking, but they were supporting their riders to do uh, cyclocross as well. So Katarina Nash, for example, I don't know if you know her, but she was one of my teammates um, and she was doing cyclocross and mountain biking. So I was able to do that as well, but I, I just... I love mountain biking, I love cyclocross, but there was something special about cross that I just, I don't know, like, I, I, it just made me feel excited, and I just really loved it, um, and then I, in 2017, I got my first, I, I, I raced in Europe a little bit more, like, my team allowed me to go to Europe and then I really loved it, and I finished fifth at the world championships that year, which was my first cyclocross world championships and I at that point I was really loving the sport but I did feel like I wasn't able to I wasn't able to be at my best in cyclocross or in mountain biking because I I was racing all year round I ended up racing you know from like 12 months out of the year and it worked for a while but yeah I just reached a point where I thought like I'm kind of Oh, I feel like I can be better than I am, but I'm not able to because I'm just constantly racing and I, I can't rest or, you know, so I was struggling with that. And, and at the same time, like the idea of, yeah, fully focusing on cyclocross was always at the back of my mind. And I felt like if I, if I didn't do it, I would regret it. And I, and I would always wonder what could have been if I really focused on that discipline that I really love. So in 2018, at the end of the summer, I decided to, on, on, on a common agreement with the team, I decided to leave the team and start my own program to focus solely on cyclocross. And it kind of was a good timing because they, the team was changing their direction at the time. They didn't want to do um, World Cups anymore. They were going to do like more North American domestic circuit. So it was like a good I mean, we, we really ended this on a, on friendly terms and yeah, so I started my own team and that's another thing. Like I was also excited to have a different challenge, um, for myself, like create a new team. Like that sounded like something I wanted to do because on a team, all I was doing really was train, show up to the races and race. And that was great, but I kind of felt like I wanted, uh, of psychological stimulation like a mental stimulation I wanted to challenge myself creatively and just like have direct relationships with the sponsors and just kind of develop other skills maybe like business skills and stuff so all of that came together and I just saw an opportunity to start my own team and race cyclocross so that's sorry long answer but that's kind of how it happened no, it's, it's great to hear the full answer about why you decided to start racing cross fully what do you like Can about you, cross oh what I like about cross oh so many things you know there's like one feeling that I really love and it's when I nail a corner on my cyclocross bike you know when it's like a muddy corner and you're like kind of slipping and then you like you make it, you like nail the corner and you come out of it with momentum and you're like, oh, that's like, for me, that's the best feeling. And I just, because sometimes you feel like you don't have the right tool for the job, kind of, you know, like it's kind of a tricky descent or tricky corner and you just have a cyclocross bike, but 
you manage to get through it and you feel like you're kind of at the limit of the bike that's like to me one of the best feeling in the world um so that's something that i love that cross provides um, a lot of and i love the intensity of the races i love how dynamic they are i love that you know they're short but so intense and so every moment of the race count um And I love that it's a mix of tactical, physical, technical. It's just a mix of everything. So it's you really have to be, in my opinion, a complete rider to uh, succeed at that sport. So, yeah, I just really enjoy that. And, yeah, I guess that's what I love. And, but now I wanted to ask you, what what is your favorite discipline? Like, do you, do you race many different disciplines or what are you into? Well, so I started off racing cyclocross mountain bike and road and then I think I was sort of struggling with the road a bit because I was I don't know I wasn't quite the right rider for it I was struggling with the being able to get the power in because I'm a small rider so I was finding it quite hard to do that so I decided to just go on to cross a mountain bike but cross is definitely my favorite I love Oh, really? Yeah. That's awesome. I've, are you guys able to race this year or all the races are canceled? Um, so I'm unable to race this year, sadly, but hopefully there'll be more racing next year. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Cool. I mean, it's I've I've raced um my one time in the UK. So it's my first ever trip to Europe for cyclocross. I came for the Milton Keynes World Cup in 2014. And I just... I just loved it. So we came that year for Coxida World Cup, so the one in the sand, and the week after was Milton Keynes. So uh, yeah, that was my first ever trip to Europe for cross, and I was so naive. Like I thought I was feeling good, you know. I had been doing a couple podiums in the U.S., like at big races, but you know. So I thought like I'm finally ready for Europe, but my team didn't think I was ready. So I came over uh, with with David my boyfriend we came just the two of us and what a shock like I I thought I thought I could be good you know I thought I could do something pretty good at the race and and then and then cock cider is not the easiest to start with it's like so much sand and it was crazy and in the end I really didn't do that all that great but I loved it so much and then the week after was Milton Keynes And there was so much mud and so much spectators uh, that I think I fell in love with the sport even more. Like, although I didn't do great at that time, I thought I have to come back and I have to come back better. Um, so that was a really cool experience for me. Were you there? Did you go to the Milton Keynes World Cup or were you too? I didn't. I didn't go there. I would have been eight, something like that. I think I would have been six. Oh my god. 2014, that would have been... Oh yeah, 2014. Oh, wow, that was a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. So no cyclocross at six. <laughs> no. no, I actually first got into racing when I was seven, so I didn't really know much about cycling then. But I've been to a few of the um, national races to watch in the UK, and it's so great to see all of the people cheering everybody on and it's amazing to see so many riders and e even in this the time that I've been riding see how the sport has grown in mm -hmm. the UK so it's great to 
yeah it's crazy it's great in the uk and obviously in europe and everything watching such big races what is it like with so many fans obviously not this year but usually with cross what's it like with the massive amounts of people there uh it's it's pretty cool in a sense it's like kind of it's kind of awesome, like especially coming from Canada where the sport, you know, when I tell people I do cyclocross, no one knows what it is. Um, so it's so special for me to come somewhere in a different country where everyone knows my name and like all of these people know cyclocross and not only they do they know about it, they like, they love it and they want to come to the races. So it's like, it's a crazy thing for me to think about. Um, so it's definitely special and it's something that I think if if you're a cyclocross fan or if you enjoy cyclocross, like you have to see this. It's just crazy to see the amount of people. Um, in another sense, like it does take some use, to, like you got to get used to it because I remember like the first time, like the thing with cyclocross is that there's no barriers between the fans and the right the riders like they can come to your tent where you're warming up they can come everywhere so it's great for them but you have to maybe like put your limit somewhere and, and initially i didn't really know like i was i didn't know that people would come so close and like i was doing my warm up and they were telling me I want to take a picture, but your hair looked bad. You have to like make your hair better or, or like I would get off to take a picture with them and they'd be like, oh, take off your helmet. And then I take off my helmet and they're like, oh yeah, no, now your hair don't look great. Like make your hair better. And I was like, really? Like, dude, I'm racing in 15 minutes. Like, you know, so it takes at some point, like you gain confidence and you understand how it works and you have to tell them, well, no, like this is my limit. I'll take a picture with you, but I'm keeping my helmet because I have to race. So it's, it's really something you have to get used to, but at the same time, it's really special. And it's kind of an honor that people want to take some of their time to come and watch you. So, um, yeah, it's, it's really cool. So you've had some great results over the years, like you've been Canadian champion, Pan-American champion yes. and winning a round of the World Cup last year at Jingle Cross. Can you tell me about some of these experiences? Yeah, um, I mean, it's when you win a big race that you've been preparing for and dreaming about for such a long time, it's really, it's really a special thing. Um, and it's, it's funny because like, I, you can't, you can't really describe what it is and it's not necessarily the winning that you're proud of um it's knowing what you've done to get there and so for example like for me when i if i talk about when i won my first canadian national championship um i had not win i did i hadn't win many i hadn't won i think you say i hadn't won many races at that time and i it was for me like kind of a mental block. Like I could do really well and I would do better in a really big race than I would do in a smaller race that I had a chance to win. I would like kind of always lose a battle and finish second um, just because I couldn't overcome like the mental barrier. Like I I would always mess myself up sometime, somehow, you know, and not 
not knowingly, but I would still do it. Like I would get too excited, like, oh my God, I'm finally winning. And then I would crash and someone would pass me. So when I actually was able to get it together and like do a performance that I knew deep down I was able to do and I finally executed it properly, I was able to stay calm and just like be strong and don't do too many mistakes. And I won. That was like really special. And, and what I was proud about of is, was that kind of journey, you know, like those learnings that I had finally like put all together. Um, and then, and then I, I, at some point, like I kind of won a little bit more and, but, and then when I won the world cup last year, that was something I had been dreaming of for, for a really long time. So having it happen, I became really emotional and, and again, it was like the win, but it was mostly how we got there. And I knew that it was like hard work that I had done with David and a lot of people that were involved in that so yeah I mean if you watch my interview it's actually funny because I can't stop crying <laughs> but, but uh yeah it's there's just really special moments and and I think it's I think it's important to kind of live those moments because um yeah I mean you work so hard for for it so when they happen you have to take it in and and then you want to ha- you want them to happen again. <laughs> so actually, in your interview, you were wearing your cowboy hat. Obviously, there must uh, be a story behind that. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's kind of a silly thing, but so I told you I have my own team uh, that I started in 2018, and then it evolved last year in 2019, and it's even bigger this year. But um, I wanted to find a way that I could showcase my partners in a original manner you know so I thought if at each race on a podium I bring a different hat and I have their the logo of my team on it like it will bring attention to the logo because to like to their logos because the people are gonna like see the, the weird hats so I bought I think 15 different hats last year and they were all different I had like cowboy hats I had like a French beret I had some like so many different hats and I, on everywhere I traveled, I traveled with my a little case of like patches, like the my team logo patch and a sewing thing. So I before each race, it became part of my ritual to like sew my patch on my hat and like hoping I would get a podium. And I chose the cowboy hat for that World Cup because no particular reason, but I know there's like a, it's like a farming area and I just thought, yeah that's kind of a good fit and yeah I just went with it I I I, it it's it looked silly probably for a lot of people but for me that was just like a fun thing to do and yeah I kind of I kept that hat I I like it (laughs) so you've obviously said a lot about your team CX Fever how did you get all of your sponsors for the team um you know what there's I guess there's a it's a big it's like there's a thought process behind each of these partners so initially the the first one was specialized the bicycle company and I thought that was kind of a long shot too that that worked out but David and I we kind of realized that in North America not a lot of professional riders in the international races were riding specialized bike and cyclocross 
So we thought maybe there's something there. Maybe we can work with them. Um, so we reached out. We had the good person. They wanted to support us. And then from there, we we kind of talked with them and this asked, like, how can we grow our relationship? And and then we, we just reached out to a lot of different companies. And every time, my question to them, I mean, the thing with sponsorship is that you have to ask yourself, why would someone sponsor me like what what can I offer them why would someone give me stuff and money like I need to do something for them um, and that's how I approach each partnership so often I I'll call a company and I'll just ask them like what can I do for you like what are your goals and how do you feel I can help you achieve those goals as simple as that and then I think together we come up with a strategy that they're happy about like that I can do something good for them and they feel like it's 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 worth it and then uh, they become a partner on the team so that's kind of how we work it and for each partner it's a different strategy that we use um, that's kind of tailored to their needs Um, yeah so that that's how that's how I do it and I, I know like for me it's about more than just the races and for a lot of company that's how it is they really love the races and and they're happy when you do well but they want something else so you have to like create content for them or do whatever like it's it's different for everyone but it's often more than just the racing yeah i mean you've got some amazing sponsors obviously like specialized and rapper and everybody it's really mm-hmm. cool that you that you've managed to get them Oh, thank you. I'm I'm really lucky too, though. It's really cool that they want to work with me, you know? Like, I feel really fortunate every time that, one, that they want to support my journey, my dreams, um, but also that they want to work with me. And, and it's really cool then because you get to meet a lot of people through those relationships. Um, and then those relationships can open other doors for, like, new projects that you know like that maybe I never thought about but that now like there's a new opportunity so it could be like to create a film with them or whatever but it's it's really fun to have uh those those relationships and I feel super fortunate for that can you tell me about your trademark hand symbol yes uh you know I it's I love that question but uh to me like so CX fever I didn't say it earlier but um you know, for me, it's like when I was talking about that feeling about that cyclocross gives me, I I call it a fever because it's like I feel it in my belly. You know, I just it, I really love it. And it just makes me it's like a, it's a physical feeling I, as much as that's that's how much I love it. And so this sign, I don't know, but I, to me, it feels like, yeah, you know, like that's kind of how I love cyclocross. I don't know how to say it really, but I just loved, I always loved this sign and it's, yeah, I don't really, it's kind of the, the interpret, like the feeling that I'm feeling, it's just like well represented when I do that. So that's how I decided to do that. And now I do it all the time, but it's something I've always kind of been doing. And yeah, I don't really know where it comes from. Just like, I always liked that. I think it's really cool and like everybody knows you for that now and you've got it on like everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. I'm, I'm happy to hear. <laughs> so it actually really interested me on the weekend how on Saturday when you raced, you wore your, was it the Pan American Champions jersey and then 
when you were racing on Sunday, you wore your Canadian kit. Why did you wear different kits? Yeah, so um, I'm lucky that I am currently the Pan American and Canadian champion. So they both have kind of special jerseys for, for, for those titles, um, similar to a British champion would have like a british kit and if that person is also european champion they can have another kit um there is a rule from the uci that if you're the european champion you have to wear that kit over your national champion jersey however there are no rules that state uh, if you're the pan-american champion like there's no rules to say which jersey you have to wear and i don't know why i think it's mostly because it's kind of a new thing like pan-american championships in cyclocross is only a thing since 2014 so like it's fairly a new thing and so there's no rules about that so i get to choose i get to choose which suit i want to wear so i kind of make my decisions in the morning depending on how i feel uh, do I feel like white? Do I feel like red? Sometimes the mud kind of helps me decide. But um, yeah, there's no particular reason other than other than how I feel on that day. And I'm glad you're asking the question because so many people ask me. And now here you go. Now it's been it's been said. <laughs> when we talked earlier about you winning Jingle Cross, and that meant that you would wear the World Cup leaders jersey. How mm-hmm. was that? Oh man, that was cool. That was really, really. I, I mean, that's like a dream, you know. Like it's, it's all white and red, and you, like you see it and you dream about it for so long, and then to get to wear it was really special. Now it did, ca- it did come with like some challenges because since I have my own private, privateer team, if you want, um, I'm not. My team is not registered at the UC. It, it's registered. It's not registered at the UCI as a like a professional UCI team and just a few teams are have that status actually and you have to pay a big fee to get that status and there are some some things that you get from the UCI when you have that status but for me like I I couldn't do it um, because it's expensive but also you need to have at least three riders like there's a lot of conditions that you need to become a UCI certified team. And so since I was not, I wasn't allowed to put any logos on the suit. So normally when a rider's when a rider win that uh, World Cup leader jersey, you get to, like the UCI, if you're in a UCI team, the UCI will put your team logos on it. But I couldn't. So I was like, crap, like now how am I going to do this? Like I have to find a solution. So we had a week before the next World Cup. So David, my boyfriend, he got on the internet and he thought like, let's create some tattoos so he got on the internet and he made some custom tattoos of my sponsors and so they arrived in the morning of the race I had like tattoos all over my legs my arms my calves everywhere just I was trying to find an original way to showcase my sponsor even though I couldn't do it on the suit so it was a pretty fun thing (laughs) so over the summer I loved watching your CX fever skills videos what inspired you to do that? Well, thank you. I'm I'm glad you enjoyed them. You know, sometimes I was making them and wondering if anybody would watch them, but I'm happy to know if 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 you were the only one, I'm happy. It it was worth it. <laughs> um the idea came, you know, because of the pandemic, we couldn't race and I felt um I I felt 
that one, I wanted to keep like the CX fever alive for people who like to race and like, like they, they didn't have any races. That was one reason. The other reason was um, in the past, I've done some cyclocross camps and I couldn't do it this year. So I felt like I wanted to like stay in touch with those people who have been doing the camps. And also like I were bike racers I'm paid to bike to race bikes and I couldn't race so I felt like what can I do um I have to do something I can't I can't do nothing I have to find a way to like be out there and stay relevant and talk about cyclocross and just kind of justify my job if you want and and that that's how it came like we just th thought that would be a fun way to like keep people excited about cyclocross help people keep improving even though there are no races and at the same time like you bring something out there that's yeah you just kind of stay relevant so for all these reasons we we did that and and it was also fun for me like doing those skills is a way for me to practice and kind of deconstruct them and do them slowly was also helpful for me so it was a fun thing to do what do you think is the most important skill for a cross rider hmm uh being adaptable i would say um so it's, it's not like a specific skill but it's cyclocross is a sport that changes so much um each course is really different and it will require different abilities and then in the same course the conditions can change the course so much like from a lap to another so you really have to be adaptable and that means you need to have like a really good uh a lot of uh, many skill set like a, a really good skill set like you need to be able to do a lot of things and be able to make quick decisions and not be phased by a change that can affect you like if it starts raining you have to like be okay with it and just like go on and just find solutions so i think being adaptable is probably the the, the most important skills in cyclocross so you also have your own podcast now fever talk can you tell me about that yeah sure uh you know i have been wanting to do a podcast for a long time but i'm not as cool as you like i didn't do it as soon as i wanted to do it so i have to learn from you um i yeah i i, I guess i wasn't sure if i was uh, yeah i wasn't confident enough to do it and but at some point this year i realized that I wanted to do it and so it started out it, the, the idea was kind of I wasn't sure what I was what I wanted to do but one thing I know is that I'm really interested in people I love I'm a really curious person I love to learn and I love to talk to people and learn about like what makes them great and what makes like what make what what is it about them that like you know just like people from different sphere of life but for example like I talked to a guy who is a master brewer he makes beer and that, to me that's as interesting as someone who's a professional cycling because he's like a master in in his field and I wanted to understand like how he does it and how did he made his passion his work like how did he make a career out of his out of his passion and what can I learn from that person so it became something about about passion and that's why it's called fever talk because fever is like how I describe my passion so yeah that's kind of how it started and, and it's been really fun it's been really 
a good learning curve in terms of like i'm sure you know like just the audio and the technicalities of doing a podcast was a good learning curve but also it kind of gives me i feel like it gives me an excuse to go out and ask all these questions to these people that i admire and that's really fun i feel like i can learn from that and i i just really enjoy it so it's been a fun thing so you actually record your episodes in french and english that must be yes. very hard well not hard but what is it like doing that yeah so i do um so like the same episode won't be available in two languages it's like i choose some it's one week it's one episode in french one week it's one episode in english and the reason i did that is that as i said earlier i'm where i come from people speak french and i feel like sometimes i want to do stuff that my community can understand And a lot of the stuff that I do is English. Like my Instagram is mostly English. My Facebook is mostly French. I, I like I kind of try to do both, but it's a hard balance because most of my sponsors and most of the world speak English. So I want to do that. I think you like reach more people and, and it's important to like do it in English. But a part of me also wants to do something that my community can understand and I also have some local sponsors that I want I want them to be able to understand. So um yeah, so I I I just decided that I would do both and also I think there are a lot of English speaking podcasts, but there are not that many in French. So I mean there are there are a lot, but not as much. So it kind of it felt to me I, it felt like a good idea to do one in french and just kind of reach a different audience and and also different people like there are just some other people that i can reach that i couldn't really speak in english with but they're still really interesting so it's fun to talk to them in french i think it's really cool that you're able to do that and you have such good english do you speak any other languages well thank you i appreciate it um I no, I don't speak another language and English, you know, I've always kind of spoken, but at the same time, I wasn't very good. And when I got on the Luna Pro team, I could understand pretty much everything, but I was shy to speak because I had a really big accent. But then I got on this team and there was someone from the Czech Republic, someone from Poland, someone from the US and someone from... Italy and someone from Switzerland so everyone had an accent and so I thought like whatever like I'm just, I also have an accent and it's fine so I kind of gained confidence there and it really helped me um but it was funny like I, I learned a lot with them and and sometimes I would ask a question like hey you guys how do you pronounce whatever this word and then five of them would answer a totally different way so I'm like oh well what <laughs> never mind <laughs> so Yeah, it's um it's cool. Yeah, I enjoy being able to speak English. I mean, I think you kind of have to, you know, if you want to function in in the world. So, and I enjoy the language, so it's cool. There's a lot of things that I said wrong though in the past, like so many sayings or expression that I would totally mess up and I still do, but what were Yeah, there's like sometimes I would take a saying that It's kind of a thing that you say in French and just translate it word for word in, in English and everyone would be like... So sometimes I would say, oh my God, this person was totally laughing in her beard and like everyone would look at me with the, the weirdest eyes like, what does that mean? 
and and like like you give me those eyes which i understand like it it means nothing in english but in french it means like they're kind of laughing to themselves and like they you know so uh, yeah i it's just like a lot of funny moments happen because i would like say a saying with total confidence and then it didn't mean anything to anyone so yeah it's pretty funny <laughs> i think it's just nice that you that you're able to have a, this conversation with me and you can talk freely because you're you're talking really well and it's nice that people want to learn english and that they enjoy the language and you know i tr i try and learn a bit of french when i'm at school but i'm i'm not the best <laughs> Oh, so you have English, you have French classes in school? Uh, yeah, we have French and German classes at school at the moment. Yeah. Oh, wow. And how's your German? Um, I, pre I, I actually prefer German to French for some reason, even though it's, it's a less spoken language. It's only really spoken in Germany. But yeah, okay. I quite like German. Yeah. Oh, cool. So can you, do you have like a, a French sentence that you can tell me? Can you tell me... Maybe like, hi, my name is Georgia. And, and then I will answer in French also. Okay. Um, um, bonjour, je m'appelle Georgia. Oh, my God. 100%. That's... <laughs> bonjour, je m'appelle Magali. C'était parfait. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So how has your season gone so far? It's been pretty good but kind of up and down um it started out well and then so so first like everything was cancelled in north america so if one wanted to race we had to come here to come to europe um so i decided to come and i did the mountain bike world championships kind of to start the season and then i went into cyclocross so it started out well and then and then they announced all the lockdowns everywhere and that became a little bit stressful for us because we didn't because of the covid we didn't rent a, a stable house for the whole year like we didn't know what would happen and often when you wear when you rent those there you can't cancel it so we didn't want to lose like tens of thousands of dollars so and we also didn't want to be stuck in a country where let's say like we rented something in french and then in france and then you couldn't go to the belgium like we'd be stuck Um, so we rented a mobile home and that was kind of an easier way for us to like be flexible and just go where the races happen. Um, so we were staying there and renting houses in between, like just for a couple days or maybe weeks. Um, so when they announced the lockdown, I kind of, that was a little bit stressful for me. I just didn't know what would happen. I didn't know where I would stay, if I could stay, like, it was pretty st stressful and i think it it trans like it translated to the racing i didn't race very well for a few weeks and now for the last couple of weeks it's starting to be better so i had a really good race in boom uh, i had a, like an okay pretty good race in merck's Place. so it's like starting to get back um to, to good so i'm hoping that my ankle is nothing too bad and that I can be ready for the next part of the season because now we're actually in a stable position like we it looks like the races are happening so we rented a place in the nether in the Netherla Netherlands um and I just feel good like I'm happy I'm pretty fit like I feel good on the bike and 
I've been training specifically for Namur, so I'm hoping, I'm really hoping I can race. Um, so yeah, it's been a good season. Like for me, it's the first time I spend the whole season in Europe, so it's a steep learning curve, but a really good experience. Like I, I think it's an opportunity for me to really raise my level and leave, like leave this season as a better rider. So um, it's it's cool. What sort of training are you doing at the moment? Uh, I mean, this week I'm just really trying to move my ankle, so uh, not much. But um, yeah, I, I guess uh, all kinds of training. Uh, pretty intense training. Cyclocross is a intense and short sport, so you have to like be really quick, accelerate quickly, do lots of sprints. So I'm doing that. I'm doing some trail riding as well. Um, also, oh, I kind of always like to do some tempo and race-based efforts because... It's not just the sprints. You also like have to maintain it. Um, so yeah, a bit of everything. I also do a lot of running. That's actually what I love about cyclocross. It's just the training is so... There's a lot of different trainings, I guess. So obviously you've mentioned a lot about your boyfriend, David. Can you tell me a bit about him? Yeah, sure. So david is my boyfriend and he is also my partner in this team that we created together and he is um the mechanic he helps me with a lot of the a lot of the sponsor stuff we do together the logistics we do like he's better at logistics than me so he takes care of that um and he's also my coach so we do we spend a lot of time together i would say above all these probably my best friend and then we get to work together as well so uh, it's pretty cool I mean I don't think I would have achieved what I have achieved if David wasn't there um, he really helps me to be a better version of myself and he's a really honest person so he, like if it's kind of nice because there's never anything that's not said like if that's not said if there's something that I can improve he will tell me instantly if there's something that I do well he will also tell me but he's always like constantly um kind of helping us get better and and that's really nice so yeah it's also really nice that we get to travel together because it would be really hard like it's already hard to be away from home for multiple months at a time but luckily I'm able to be with him and that makes it much easier. What are you hoping for for the rest of the year and 2021? I'm hoping to find some consistency. I mean, in terms of racing, like find some kind of be more consistent in the top 10, maybe five of the races. I, I think I can be there, um, but I have a hard time doing it in a consistent way so that's kind of what I'll be working on is it easy to make friends with the other riders for me it's kind of is it's it really is in in North America and I guess it's kind of related to the way the events are I told you like we often go there and stay for two three days in a row so you're hanging out with the same people for two three days in a row so it's quite easy and we see them every weekend so it's easy to make friends and just get to know them. Um, in Europe, it's a little bit different because you get to the race, let's say at 10 a.m., you go your pre-ride, then you do the race, and then as soon as the race is over, you go back home. So you don't really get to chat with your 
colleagues, like with the people you're racing against. Um, so initially I found that hard. I felt like no one really wanted to talk to me when I came to race in Europe, but I feel like I might have, maybe I've been coming up often enough. I've been coming often enough and for long enough periods of time that people kind of accepted me if you want. And now they're really nice and like they can, they, they chat with me and they smile. And it's, it's, um, I think there's a really big respect between the writers. Um, and that's like worldwide, you know, like in, in, in Europe or at home or whatever, like you do have a lot of respects for those people because they, one, they do the same thing as you do, but also like you kind of go through misery together. So that creates a bond and, and, you know, like those people will get the best out of you and you'll get the best out of them. And that's something really special. So you have to have respect for your competitors. And I think it just comes naturally. And I would say at the weekend, when you hurt your ankle, there were mm -hmm. all of the teams that helped you. Was that really nice to have all those people helping? Oh, totally. And it's it's so special. Like the, I mean, the Swanyar from Christine Majerus, she was, uh, she actually was taking my jacket at the start. And then when I, when she saw that I, which is already really nice, you know, she doesn't have to do that. Um, but she did it to help. Because since I only since we're just a team of two, sometimes David can't be at the start, so other people help me out, which is really nice. So she already she came to help me. Then uh, Xenia from the Trinity Racing Team, uh, I know her because I met her at the World Mountain Bike Championships, and she's been helping me out this season. She came straight away, so everyone was there to help, and it's really nice because they don't have to, and so you realize that it makes you just realize that it's a tight community and it's special to be a part of that one year we actually met um two kids uh they were at the same hotel as us and for the Namor world cup i think they were like eight and ten and they came to watch the race they were coming from the u.s and they came with their parents and i met them at the breakfast and then I knew I had no one to take my jacket. So I asked them, I said like, hey, if I give you the bracelet, will you come pick my jacket at the start? And they were so excited. So then they came and they were like, oh my God. And then I saw Santa Count and I saw like, they saw everyone, like they were on the start. So it was pretty cool. <laughs> so where is your favorite place to ride for fun? Um, I really enjoy riding in Sedona in Arizona. It's a really, really fun place to ride mountain bikes. Do you have a favorite course? Namur, World Cup. I really love it. Is there a course that you would like to ride but you haven't ridden yet? Not really. Not that I'm aware of. Uh, yeah, I don't watch all the races that I haven't been to. So uh, let's say the Gavair course, the place I crashed this weekend. I really liked it. So I'm bummed that I didn't race that one. <laughs> Who's your favorite current rider? I'm not like a, you know, I, I'm not necessarily a fan of the people I don't know, if that makes sense. So I'll talk about riders that I know, um, that I know personally. On the road, I would say Antoine Duchesne. He's a writer, Canadian writer for the Groupama FDG team. So he would be my favorite writer on the road. 
Um, and then in cyclocross, if I talk about woman rider, I, I think I would say probably Katerina Nash because she's a really good friend of mine and I, I really like her as a person. So that's how I choose the writers that I like. If they are good people, <laughs> I like them. Yeah, I like her. I think she's really cool. Oh, yeah. Oh, cool. Well, you know, I'm sure she would. I'm sure she would love to be on your podcast if you wanted to ask her she's really nice that'd be really cool (laughs) (laughs) who is your favorite rider of all time Mm. i'll say katarina again i think what's your advice for young riders i i guess two things uh kind of cliche but have fun is really important because if you're if I mean, it's hard, like, it's going to be hard. It's it's not an easy career. There's not a straight path to follow. Um, it is difficult. But if you have fun, that's the only thing that will keep you going. So it's really crucial to keep it fun. Uh, as cliche as it is, it, it is true. Um, then the other thing that I would say is maybe be we have to be patient like be patient and not compare ourselves and that's kind of a weird thing because competition is all about comparing ourselves but each person is different and each person has a different dev- development and and different rhythm at which they a different rate at which they they kind of develop and sometimes we can compare ourselves and see like oh my god like this writer is already achieving these things and they're so young but they're just different. Like you, you, you have to do your own path and be patient. Like if you keep doing the work consistently, you'll get there. And and yeah, it, there's no point comparing yourself to others. It's much more important to compare yourself to yourself and see how you're improving compared to yourself and just make sure that you you keep improving and getting better and having fun. So I think that would be my advice. Yeah. So you've got five minutes before you head down to the start of a race. What's on your playlist to get you motivated? Oh, it depends. But, um, you know, five minutes before, sometimes it's like Eminem. Um, I really like him. Or there's a few of Cardi B that are kind of good to get um, to get ready for a race. So, yeah, I guess rap, rap music kind of gets me going. What about you? Oh, I don't know. I like the sort of upbeat music, like um, like the song this year, like Pump It Up, and um, the music by Joel Corey and things like that. The really DJ sort of music that... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's sort of, you get the rhythm in your head, and so then you start pedaling to that rhythm. So, yeah. yeah, I like that. I that those are actually also on my playlist but usually as I'm still on the bike and then like when I kind of the last song on the, on the warm up and when like when I get off the bike the last song that's like crank me up like that will be some rap sometimes so anyway but cool I'm glad to hear yours so thank you so much for joining me today I really hope that your ankle gets better in time for Nama and good luck for the rest of the season and I will look forward to watching you Thank you so much, Georgia. That was fun. And um, I wish you good luck as well in your season. 
and hopefully you get to to race soon and and, and if not i mean good luck with your podcast and good luck with yeah everything that you do i i think it's really cool what you're doing so thanks for having me i feel i feel fortunate thank you <laughs> don't forget you can find cycling talk podcast on instagram facebook and twitter you can find my podcast on apple podcasts spotify my website and all the usual podcast places i hope you enjoyed this episode see you on the bike